Welcome to Travel Tales. This will be a podcast that is about the fun of travel, not just traveling itself, but the tricks I've learned along the way and travel tips, planning tips, and just different stories from our travels to share with you about some of the places we've gone to and maybe some of the tips we've learned along the way of um, things we wish we had found earlier or really enjoyed or maybe didn't enjoy. So I hope you find it useful. I'll be sharing a variety of places I travel with my family, which includes two boys. So at different trips, they've been older or younger. Um, On real recent trips, they've been teenage boys. So lots of different tips about traveling with kids of different ages will be included wherever that's applicable. And today I thought I would start off with just if you're thinking about traveling to the Indy 500, I know this is a unusual year and people may not be coming due to the reduced capacity of it. But um, if you're planning a trip maybe for next year's Indy 500, I thought I would start with that. Um, The Indy 500 is something I've been going to since I was a young girl. Um, Started out going to practices and things like that when I was very young. And then go. I've been to more races than I think I can count. I've lost track. But my family and I go every year. And there are definitely some tips and tricks if you're especially if you're coming in from out of town. So start off by just kind of letting you know that if you're coming in from out of town, definitely plan ahead. All the hotel rooms in the area in some years are booked up. So it is sometimes hard to find a room if you decide to come down last minute. And I know sometimes people stay even like an hour away from the city um, because they couldn't find a room. So I definitely would plan ahead. If you do happen to stay downtown, most years they have a shuttle that goes to the track. And the shuttle is actually a nice and efficient way to go. It'll take you and drop you off right at the main entrance to the track. And you can go out and meet the shuttle as soon as you're done. They run continuously for a while after the race. I know there have even been a couple years where we have driven and parked downtown and taken the shuttle um, because it was easier than finding a parking spot. I will share that if you drive to the track... Know that most of the really close spots are gone early, so be ready to walk. Um, The spots inside the track are reservation only, so you're basically looking at parking in neighborhood business lots that might be renting out their spaces or most often in people's front yards, things like that. And as you might expect, the closer you are to the track, the higher the prices are. So you might pay $20 to $30 for a spot be decently close to the track, but you might pay only $10 if you're a mile or two away. So just come prepared to walk. And we usually bring most, a lot of people bring coolers to the track because you can bring in a small cooler that can fit under your seat. We actually bring backpack coolers because it's easier to carry um, for us and for the kids. And we each basically bring our own lunch and our own drinks and our own backpack cooler. And it's, it's a nice way because it's a little more comfortable and it's, definitely a lot more lightweight than a regular hard side cooler at the end of the day when you're tired from being in the sun. We generally go the route of parking in a neighborhood or a local business lot rather than going to one of the more formal lots like the Coke lot. Um, You will see the Coke lot fill up usually the night before and it's generally a party scene in a lot of ways. People camp there and there's a lot of um, just excitement for the race going on there. Um, one tip I have too is the, and I hear this from a lot of people who have never seen the track before. It's huge. Um, so if you've seen tracks in other cities, this track is likely bigger than a lot of them. It's, um, 
a very big track and you want to definitely look and see what gate you're going to want to go in for your seat before you decide where you're going to try to park. If you park on the south end of the track and your seats are on the north end, you're probably adding a ton of walking distance and maybe even up to a mile just to get to where your seats are. So definitely take a look at your ticket, find out where you're parking um, and try to aim to park somewhere more in that vicinity. It will also help you when you're on your way out at the end of the day and tired, especially on the hot days. I think, um, so the size is definitely something I think most people are overwhelmed by when they first see it. Um, I've talked to a lot of people after their first visit and the number one thing people say is I never thought it would be that big. There are always a lot of infographics in the papers right before the race about all the different things you can fit inside the track. And, uh, I think like all the Washington monuments, for example, can fit inside the track plus other things. So it's, it's pretty, it's, that's pretty interesting. Just be prepared to be overwhelmed if you haven't been before. Some of my favorite traditions at the Indy 500 include some of the pre-race ceremonies. If you get there early enough, you can catch the parade of bands, but my most favorite traditions are the green flag being delivered by the helicopter, the Borg Warner trophy, marching to the brickyard. And, um, I love God bless America. Um, I especially love it sung by Florence Henderson before she died, but I always love that song. It gives me chills when it's sung in honor of Memorial Day at the 500. I also love the introduction of the drivers and my other big favorite, Back Home Again in Indiana. Jim Neighbors actually sang that from 1972 to 2014 in most years. And since he retired and then passed away, now Jim Cornelson has done the last couple of uh, races. It's a great tradition and one of my favorite things there. One of my other favorite things is when they introduce the drivers. It's just really fun. A lot of the drivers have a really big local or fan following for the event itself. And so there's a lot of fervor for the fans. Um, currently, Tony Kanaan, for example, is a huge fan favorite, as is Elio Castroneves, a carpenter, and uh, James Hinchcliffe. A lot of the drivers just have a really big local fan following, and people really go crazy when they get introduced. Um, anybody who's a past winner generally gets a big uh, cheer from the crowd as well. So that's it's always fun to see and fun to see the drivers kind of interacting with the crowd a little bit. I think it's kind of nice. There's a very long history at the Indy 500. It's one of the oldest of motor racing events in the United States. And it's called the Brickyard because in 1909 when it opened, the surface was originally crushed stone and tar, but there were a lot of accidents in the early days. So they went over and paved it with brick later in 1909. Um, and after that, it was nicknamed locally as the Brickyard. In the 30s, uh, they started kind of paving over in asphalt, starting with the turns. And by the 50s, the 1950s, it was only a stretch of the main way was still brick. Um, in 1961, after the race, they paved the rest of the main stretch. And what they left was one yard of bricks at the start-finish line. And so now the Brickyard is kind of literally the brickyard. Um, the rest of the bricks are underneath all the other asphalt, so they're still on the track for the most part. In most of the places, they're just under several layers of asphalt. You'll see, you'll hear things about the snake pit, which is basically the party area inside the track where there's typically some bands playing before the race and I think even after the race, and um, people hanging out in the infield. It's usually a place without seats. People bring lawn chairs and things to sit. Um, Gasoline Alley 
is also there and it's a nickname that dates to the early days of the track where this area where a part of that area was just used to literally fuel up the cars but now it's a whole section where all the drivers garages are and you can go through um, during the days before the race you can walk right through that area if you have a pass and see the different drivers and see their teams um, and what just take a look at the cars as they're being worked on in a lot of cases the Borg Warner Trophy, which I mentioned earlier, is the trophy for the Indy 500, and it's unique in trophies in that every driver that has won the race gets a raised um, portrait of themselves on the Borg Warner Trophy. So it's a huge and very heavy trophy um, with a lot of the driver's faces all over it. So it's a really cool trophy. You can actually see it. I believe it's in the museum. There is an Indianapolis Motor Speedway museum inside the track, and you can see in there a lot of older race cars that have won. I believe they have some of the very earliest ones. And you can also kind of see how they've evolved through the years and learn a little bit of history about the track in there. It's open year round, basically. So you don't have to wait for a race time in the month of May to do it. Um, and then the bottle of milk is another big tradition at the Indy 500. It dates back to 1936, but it wasn't at every race until about 1956. And then it started where when someone would win, they would drink milk after the race. Um, after a while, I think they got a milk, the, the milk sponsorship. And so they have that. An interesting fact is they pull the drivers before the race and ask everybody what kind of milk they want. And then they have some of all of those kinds on hand in case that person should win. So if that person wins, whichever milk they picked gets brought out. So some people prefer buttermilk. Some people prefer whole milk. Some people, I think, have even picked like soy milk and things like that if they can't have the other kinds. I know it's it, they do have a list, though, of every, kind, every driver's favorite milk. There's been one driver that did not drink milk in in victory lane and got quite a bit of flack for it it was emerson fittipaldi he drank orange juice and it was because he owned orange groves but um, since that time i don't think anyone else has even attempted to not drink milk in victory lane so that was that was an interesting little tidbit there we love to sit in the shaded areas of the track just because the day can get very hot but really most of the seats are very good and you have you have a good view if you can get it, if you can get towards a corner, you can sometimes see up to three corners of the track, but you have, there are no seats at the track, except maybe at the top of the pagoda where some of the VIPs sit that you can see everything. Um, you just, it's too big. You just can't see that far. But in most, every place you can sit, there are screens that will show the cars when you're not at the parts of the track where you're not at. So you can still see that piece. My favorite place to sit is right across from pit row. So you can see some of the pit action see the straightaway and also see at least turn one and one and four. There tends to be a lot of action in that in that area um, as well. But if you've never been, I highly recommend going. Um, bring sunscreen, always bring sunscreen. There's tons of really good food at the track. Tenderloin, it's kind of one of a tr the traditional foods for Indiana and that you can usually get those at the track. Uh, my kids like the lemon chills but it's the same lemon chill they sell at fairs and things all over the country. So not, maybe not unusual. We usually bring in our own food. Our traditional race food is um, fried chicken and baked beans and usually a sandwich and, uh, you know, chips and cookies, things like that. And it may sound like a lot of food, but we're usually there from like eight in the morning all the way until 
the race is over. So, you know, some, some New Year's we haven't gotten home until six or seven. So we tend to pack lots of snacks. Sometimes we have a few to bring home if the race is uh, free of most of the yellows. But oftentimes we eat most of the stuff there and we have it kind of for a late breakfast and a lunch altogether. We're, we also tend to watch it again in the evening because here in Indiana, you can't watch it in on a TV during the time the race is being broadcast unless they're sold out, which I think has only happened just a couple of times. The track holds an enormous amount of people. So it's rare that they have um, a complete sellout if you include the infield spots. But it has happened in a couple of years, particularly the 100th running. And um, it, you can always tell it's very notable because they talk about how it can be televised simultaneously <laughs> on those years. But, so that's it for my first episode. When coming episodes, we'll talk. Um, I'm planning some episodes about Vancouver and our Alaskan cruise last year, some of the cities we visited and what we did in Alaska. I'll also have some episodes on places like visiting San Diego. We go to a lot of national parks. I plan to do several episodes on different national parks. And um, we've had some adventures in England and Denmark and uh, really just a wide variety of places. We are um, fans of Disney, so we've been there several times and I'll have episodes on those places too. So if you found this, I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you'll stick with it and try a few other episodes and maybe somewhere I've gone someplace you're planning a trip to and I might be helpful. Happy travels.